For majority of human history, humans have sustained thriving life ways living in symbiosis with the earth. Regardless of where we come from, we all stem from land-based hunter-gatherers who intimately know their place within ecology. Today, we find ourselves living within a disconnected society that is strayed far from its wild roots. This disconnection has resulted in detrimental impacts for the earth and all who call this place home. Join us as we take a deep dive into our wild origins and how we can actively rewild and make decisions that lead to a regenerative and connected future. We pay our deepest respects to the Aboriginal culture, law and spirituality of this land. May we continue to learn from the wisdom of the past so that we can create a future of thriving land-based culture. I'm your host, Eva Angofra. Thanks for joining us today on the Wild Beings Podcast. I'm here today with Asha Cloran, my good friend. Asha is a certified holistic and lifestyle coach, as well as a certified integrative movement specialist with the Czech Institute. He's also qualified in the holographic kinetics kinesiology system and brain gym kinesiology. Asha has overcome multiple chronic illnesses in himself, as well as guided his clients in overcoming a range of different health issues. Asha is also the director of Life Rocks, which is an earth science-based education program with holistic health for parents and teachers. So welcome. Yeah, great to be here with you today on the farm. Yeah, yeah, so we're just now on the farm where Asha lives. Eden Farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So over the years, I've been really lucky to have this friendship with Asha where you've really helped me and educated me in so many different areas of health, whether it's with food, combinations of food, ratios, movement, sleep, breathing, all kinds of things. So Asha really is a wealth of knowledge. So today we're really going to be diving into ancestral health and what that really looks like in a modern context. So Asha, I want to start with your journey because I know that you've had a really big journey with food and diet and ways of being. So yeah, let's start with your journey with food and how you've got to where you are today with it all. Yeah. I think my journey with food is pretty similar to a lot of people's journey with food where we do things unconsciously or just culturally as a cultural standard. My mum was like ate healthy food, so everything was cooked. It was whole grain, whole milk, whole... The whole food approach, so it was like she knew that packeted packaged processed foods were bad sugar was bad colors and numbers are bad so i had enough of that foundation that was good i'd say early on as a child having an adverse reaction to a vaccine the measles mumps rubella which is three vaccines in one scheduled for four-year-olds really messed me up Mm. not everyone has such a severe reaction but i had hives and rashes appear on my skin within hours within days i had a persistent cough that then became childhood asthma and eczema and i think it damaged my metabolism because i was always a fat chubby kid who struggled with mental health issues on and off much more introverted than most other kids around me 
which led to being a book a bookworm kid rather than like athletic and she's just so different to the Asher that I know today sure yeah so deep down inside I've always wanted to be like healthy and active mm. and that sort of thing but I had issues with weight I had issues with skin I had asthma I had blocked nose I was current often very sick mm-hmm. I couldn't travel without throwing up lots of little things and these things were managed by a somewhat healthy mainstream diet by my mum whilst living at home but as soon as I went out off to uni and let the reins off a little bit on what I was eating and ended up more on a processed food diet with energy drinks and candy bars and late nights and more interested in playing in my band and running around town <laughs> than I was doing any real uni work and also enjoying being out of home and trying all of, of the weird crazy things of the world including not eating properly mm-hmm. that I ended up in a very depressed state so much I felt hollow suicidal thoughts was like what's the point of life really scraping the bottom of the barrel went to a doctor what does the doctor say oh yeah fill out the checklist yep you're depressed maybe you got this and that here's some pills off you go off you go right and but at the same time I knew I needed to figure something out so I'd taken a week off work and a friend's mum said to me hey Ashley you know the way that you eat affects your mental health and as a 19 year old who'd just been going with the flow it was a bit of a light bulb moment where I'm like yeah that's so obvious so true but also so far away from my current context but let's go what do I do I said what do I do to this mum and she said don't eat anything that comes out of a packet cook everything yourself and don't eat lots of sugar or grains and I was like fine I can do that That seems pretty simple and I'd always enjoyed cooking I'd always grown up working in hospitality my first jobs were in hospitality and I'd always cooked things as a child so it was no foreign thing to me to cook like I love food so I started cooking again also started taking those pills but within a month felt so different so radically different that I was like there's really something to this food stuff Mm. so much so that it changed my mind the way I was thinking about life Mm. I thought if I can feel this good how good can I feel that was one very prominent question another one was if I feel this good and everyone else is doing all this other crap then how far away is society and culture from the truth That's right. of our reality and the truth of what's happening to our food chain? That was another really potent thought. And the third one was, if life is about healing yourself, not being depressed, not getting caught up in all of this lifestyle drama and stuff that happens when you're unhealthy, then it must be about healthy culture family connection to nature connection to your body 
And so these became so prominent in my life that I really had to, I had to quit uni and move back home and look after my mum and look after myself, structure a business that was more to do with health and wellness and, and healing in the long term. I was doing digital media at university and a lot of time spent on computers and that kind of thing. And yeah, so I decided a whole lifestyle shift. And at the end of that, I went back to that doctor and I said, hey, mate, guess what I've done? I've done this, that, and the other. I'm eating everything myself. I'm cooking everything myself. I haven't eaten any junk food, no more energy drinks. So I have... What do you reckon? Is it any, anything to do with that? Or is it just the pills that you gave me? And he just shook his head and you go, oh, no, just the pills. Wow. And in that moment, this veil was lifted mm. and I saw a fat, sick, depressed, anxious, dying man in front of me that was that doctor. And salute to you, my friend, wherever you're at. But that's the truth. And until those doctors can peel back and actually experience the things that we've done, we've been through to our bodies and to our health in order to achieve different things, they can't talk from experience. They've just got an opinion that's been indoctrinated into them through eight years of university that they do one unit on nutrition. That's right. It's and not a holistic approach whatsoever. You know, you look out there, like, what is a tree made of? A little bit of soil, a little bit of water, lots of air. What's a human made of? Fats, carbs, proteins, air, oxygen. We're not made of pills. We never were made of pills. It's just insane to think that doctors will give you that advice. No, the diet doesn't have any impact. What a load of crap. Mm. So that was my Genesis story. Mm. And since then, been studying with the Czech Institute, which is Paul Czech, the founder of, and really good on the holistic dimensions of life, how to care for those things so that you can live in a high energy state. And then I'd say my connection to nature and you're really super involved in that work and side of things is a big part of my own philosophy in life around health as well that you can't achieve health without connection to land and country and relationship with the land and relationship to the food essentially it's about rewilding what we eat but on a holistic level our relationship with it and our connection with our food and where it comes from and yeah. understanding all of that yeah yeah, it is, you know, and there's that show with Jamie Oliver on it. He asks all the kids, where does your food come from? And they're like, the supermarket or the <laughs> packet. Yeah. Or... That's tragic. It is. And that compounds over a lifetime. Unless you start to connect, you're doing the opposite. You're disconnecting mm. from reality. And then when you end up in that place... Now everything's gross. Now everything's yuck. Now everything's not fun unless it's wrapped in sugar, coated in salt, got heaps of colours on it, whatever. That's the cultural norm. Yeah, yeah, and then you end up as the the 50-year-old bug-phobic lady that's got heaps of health issues and can't go outside and doesn't like eating X, Y and Z because of some reason that happened 30 years ago and... Yeah. yeah, which is sad because that's really a robbery of what we humans are here for. 
experiencing that connection to the land and our food and feeling that being we are of the earth so we need to be feeling of the earth not of different processed things and I love how you touched on that literally your mental health completely changed when you changed what you were eating and I think that is so overlooked in today's society and it's such a huge important situation to be paying attention to because all of these issues that we have in the modern day of depression anxiety and mental health issues like that so many of them are actually led back to what we're eating and the way that we live our lives the experience being outside the water we're drinking all of these really simple things it's not complicated is it it's not complicated they're all quite simple it's the fundamentals of life that i think the modern world draws us away from because they're like don't worry we've got it sorted water comes out of the tap yeah you turn on the light there's the light you press the button there's the heat you open the fridge there's the food and then it gives you the illusion that all of that's under control and I can just get on with my life and go to work and not have to worry about the simple things. That's right. As where the detail of those simple things is where all of the fundamental aspects of our very existence lie and that you can be damn sure if someone's got a problem up here in the head where they're worried about X, Y, and Z, or this and that and the others going on, or they're just depressed and they don't have purpose in life. They're probably disconnected from those other dimensions of life on some level. And even if it is a big life change that is somewhat, has some amount of distance from just breathing and moving and sleeping and eating and connection to nature, those things are going to give you the foundation to deal with that big life event in a much better more grounded centered way so that yeah you can be the point of stillness in the storm rather than just being identified with the storm I think you know that was the start of my conscious health journey I'd been through childhood of sickness and unease which was like the unconscious part of the health story and then from taking conscious control now you know that you don't know hmm. so before when you're just sick you're like yeah this is just the way things are i've got a shitty body my genetics are crap whatever the stories are that your, your sort of society gives you oh, i'm just a sick child oh, i'm just a big bones child all of these cultural reinforcements that don't allow you to access healing because no one knows. No one knows why you're fat. No one knows why you're sick. Asthma is just a thing. There's no questioning. There's not enough questioning. But then when you start to question and you go, hey, maybe it was the vaccine that messed me up. Hey, maybe it was the diet that messed me up. Maybe it was the factory farm meats that were causing inflammation in my body. Blah, 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 on and on. Now you've got a hypothesis. You don't have the answer yet. I started to test the theory veganism was one of the steps I took after that non-processed food diet and then that led I was running a juice stand at festivals which was really fun way to support your lifestyle eating all fruit and salads mostly fruit no like salt spices no animal foods and it was good for a time it really 
puts you back in alignment with your soul because you're so physically undernourished in some other ways that you have to rely on your own spiritual grit to go through situations and I think coming from that mundane dense unconscious way of living it made me hyper conscious of myself my inner world certain things that I had ignored for a long time and put me back in touch with the power of myself but then nutrient deficiencies started to show up started to get cavities lost muscle mass had no sex hormones or sex drive or sexual interest um, which is a bad sign as a, as Male. any person really yeah. and uh, weakness head spins upon standing nocturnia, nocturia which is where you wake up and have to take a wee in the middle of the night certain things about my health over the course of two years being vegan were not going well so I started to look up and started to look around what could be the problem tried things within the vegan paradigm to fix it tried food combining tried combining grains and lentils and this sort of thing to get complete proteins tried cooked vegan stuff or everything I do couldn't get out of it couldn't get away from those symptoms so I thought damn I need to try some animal foods and I found the sort of paleo perspective on and raw primal perspective of untouched foods of nature animal foods are the most nutrient dense had some eggs i think was how i broke my raw vegan thing raw eggs i felt this rush of energy come into me mm. and i was like wow there's something to this mm-hmm. i don't know what can't justify it scientifically right now but there's something to this for sure then i saw paul check on a video with the raw bras and the raw bras were sitting around there hey what do you think of veganism do we need to eat meat or whatever and Paul Check in his classic flamboyant cocky style just stands up and rips his shirt off as like a 50 year old man and he's fully ripped and jacked and he's just like yeah meat baby or something <laughs> ridiculous but it cut through the cheese in my mind because <laughs> what are you trying to achieve from health what was I trying to achieve from health a good life a healthy body a happy mind mm. a vibrant spirit and he represented those things in that little clip mm-hmm. you could look at that and go what like how ridiculous is that but it's an energy transfer thing and it was just obvious here's a man living the dream healthy happy probably comes from a similar culture to me irish scottish something like that real white guy maybe a bit swiss i don't know but he's doing it and it was it just spoke to me and it said yeah you need to follow this a bit more so i looked into paul check started studying his work started studying the work of western a price mm. found the broda barnes as well around this time who's the godfather of thyroid medicine and i went more into the paleo world because there's a theory in the world which is the pendulum swings so if you've explored one polarity of something, typically you're going to have to explore the other polarity of that thing at some stage to get the experiential balance to come back to more of a center point. We can learn from other people's experiences, but often we don't, and we have to learn from our own experiences. And 
So I went deep into the paleo world, the intermittent fasting world, the low carb world, the anti-fungal, anti-parasite, anti-worm world. And all of these theories around limiting carbs, paleo ancestors didn't have access to like good juicy carbs and this kind of theory. And for a time it was good. So muscle mass came back, sex hormones came back, focus came back, but then started to get congested, skin issues, fog issues, and eventually fatigue issues, and then eventually thyroid issues and low body temperature issues. But what it made me realize is that actually the temperature and the thyroid stuff had been there all along, all throughout my childhood. And that yes, swapping to meat initially gave my body some materials again to build back some of my muscular and glandular energy exploring these polarities, what's true? Neither polarity is true in its entirety. They're just the different ends of the spectrum that you can explore dietarily. If you think about all of the diets across the world, they all consist of fats, carbs, and proteins, but they all consist of a ratio or a balance between these elements. Mm. And depending upon where you are situated on the planet, the availability of those elements changes a lot season to season. The closer you are on the poles, the basically you only have access to animal foods, fats and proteins for most of the year. And then the closer you are to the equator, the more abundance you have of all three food groups. And these have effects on metabolic pathways. If you go into a fasted state, that's a survival state that's found in nature when you run out of carbohydrates. And then if you go into a state with no protein at all, that's actually a state of an organism that doesn't have access to good hunting grounds or good arable land or has any hunting skills and will be eventually phased out as well because there's been no record of any vegetarian or vegan cultures that have lived sustainably for long periods of time unless they've been doing it specifically and acutely for religious or spiritual reasons so i had to map this whole experience is what i'm saying for myself where you go into the polarities unconsciously at first then you come out having gained the wisdom of what worked and what didn't and then you have to go into another thing unconsciously because you don't know about that until you come out at the other end with more wisdom and experience. And from having mapped out literally everything I could find in the diet world to see what has worked, coming back to the center point now of using your body's indications of temperature and pulse, which is foundational biometric feedback that never lies, not like thoughts, feelings, and ideas can be shaped by perspectives and those perspectives lead you to make decisions that aren't necessarily empirical. Temperature and pulse can give you an indicator and show you exactly how those macronutrients and your lifestyle choices are impacting your metabolism through time. And metabolism became really the focus of my efforts and working with temperature and pulse to keep those temperatures and pulses in an optimal range where you're producing a lot of energy because that's what we want for our life. Mm -hmm. We want energy so that we can do what we want to do in life.
And that's something that I don't bargain with anymore. I see people on different diets and lifestyles going, oh, this is the best because I feel clean or I feel healthy or I feel like it's good or I feel like it's right. And I'm like, how's your energy? A bit tired at the front of the day, but that's because of this, that, and that. Is it because of this, that, and the other? Or is it because your metabolism isn't functioning correctly and do you want more energy? The answer is always yes. If you ask anyone out there, do you want more energy? Yes. Yes. So what you're saying is that the metabolism is really the core of health and feeling that vitality and high energy. The metabolism is the spark of life. Yeah. So all of life has, all of organistic life has metabolic processes that helps it turn aspects of its environment into usable energy to run that organism. Now, I find that profound Mm. to think that right down to the very smallest bacteria, to the various smallest fungi, there's something in there that is converting sugars in its environment to usable energy. energy. It's converting atmospheric gases into usable energy. And we do the same thing. So, you know, the Goldilocks zone is it too hot or is it too cold? What happens if a human goes too hot or too cold? Bad things. Bad things, yeah. So, too cold, we die. Mm-hmm. Too hot, we die. But if we're moving towards too cold and we live in the, we live in the zone before too cold, too cold death, yeah. but we live in the zone between getting towards too cold then we're living in a state of energy conservation. Our body's going, I don't have enough resources. I'm under constant threat. My environment is stressful. So therefore I must conserve resources. I'm gonna create insulin resistance. So when I find calories, I'm gonna put on loads of weight as a protective mechanism. I'm gonna downregulate my mood. So I don't wanna go outside. I don't wanna take risks. I don't want to do anything that might put my calories that I'm already in a deficit of at risk. Stress hormones Stress hormones, yeah. And all of these stress hormones actually down-regulate our metabolism to the point at which our body's in an energy-conserving state. And that energy-conserving state can be reflected in our physical energy, our emotional energy, our energy in relationships, and... And how, what you're describing right now, it sounds like the symptoms of someone with depression. Yeah. You know, so this is the nutritional explanation of what is chemically going on inside of someone that yeah, doesn't have a functioning system. Exactly. Exactly right. There's a lot that can be done with diet when it comes down to mental health mm. issues. And I'm not just talking depression, we're talking depression, ADD, autism, Asperger's, um, and anxiety. All of these are states that are reflective of biological and physiological processes happening in the body. And the whole modern culture of disconnecting 
the mind and the body and saying, oh, that's just in your head. That's just your psychology. You should go see a therapist, right? When all of that is disconnected from what you're breathing, what light's coming into your body, what are the rhythms of your day, how many times are you eating a day, what are you eating, what volume, when, in what combination. So all of those factors have way bigger influence over your mind than so many of the things that we are taught does. Hmm. Sure, our boss, our relationships, our work. External factors. There's external factors. Life isn't what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. And if you don't have the energy on board, if you if your stress hormones are jacked up and you've got a whole bunch of other forces in your body running you, how are you meant to take charge of the things that happen to you? you mm, that's right. It's you a don't very, have enough energy in the tank. Which is not a very empowering way to be existing. Um, one thing that I really loved when you were telling me about um, the Czech Institute is the doctors, the yep, different the doctors. doctors. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, Paul Czech pulled this, I think, from Hippocrates was he said there's only... Hippocrates is the, the famous Greek physician who came up with no, no harm should be done. First, do no harm in medicine, which has been complete, completely thrown out of pharmaceutical mainstream practice. But... He had three doctors, which was Diet, Quiet, Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, and Dr. Movement, Dr. Sleep. He didn't have Dr. Movement, was the point, which was interesting because back in the day, when you don't have all of the computers and the washing machines and the cars and stuff, everyone was moving around. Mm. So they didn't even have to think that would be a problem. So it's funny that fast forward, modern humans have, a, wow. have to have the doctor movement as well. And isn't that just a prime example of how our lifestyle has changed to one that literally gave us everything we needed yeah. by being outside to yeah. one where we have to name these things and go out of our way to integrate them into our totally. daily lives. Yeah, totally. And I actually, I doubled up on one of the physicians there, but it's actually Dr. Quiet, Dr. Happiness, and Dr. Diet. Okay. Quiet, Dr. Quiet is your physician that says you need to slow down. You need to rest and sleep. You might need some active rest where you just sit under a tree or rest in the sun. You're not thinking about anything in particular. As where Dr. Happiness is actually the chief physician and he says, what's your purpose in life? What are your values? What do you fundamentally believe? What kind of relationships do you want to have? What kind of hobbies light you up? What are your passions and your interests? And really, like fundamentally, this is something that I work with a lot with any client that I have too, is I'll assess where they're at with each of their doctors. How tuned are they to their own happiness and what that means? How tuned are they into their own diet and how they're working with that. How much quiet time do they take for themselves and do they know how to calibrate that energy? And then are they moving in a way that suits their body? And 
looking at all of those four physicians will highlight the areas in a person's life where they're going to get maximum bang for their buck or their m most value out of working with that one thing. Because mm. I've seen people who it's like their diet, you know, they're following all the metabolic health things and they've done all the research and they've, they're doing their macros and they weigh all that out and it's amazing. And then they're, yeah, they're getting to sleep on time and it's amazing. And they go to the gym and they do yoga and stuff and it's whatever. But they don't love themselves or they don't have really any higher purpose in life they're not contributing things to the community or their world and they feel disconnected and cut off from their life force because of it because so, those are the things that fill you up spiritually which is a part of that holistic health that's right mm. yes you can chase down any one of these elements and get a lot out of it but unless they're really all working together and those four physicians have got their heads together and how can we piece this together anyone can come unstuck by leaving any one of these fundamentals at the door but there's a hierarchy here of needs as well mm -hmm. so if someone has their purpose dialed in their their values they live by values they have strong beliefs they have a strong family system they have strong relationships that person can probably ignore a lot of dietary factors for quite a while, longer than the person who's got all the diet stuff right, mm. but has no purpose. That's so interesting. And it just shows how, you know, we're beings of, of light and air, just as we are of food and water. You might say food and water are like the more yin, kind of forces in our life that ground us to the physical dimension as where like the yang of light and air is more the spiritual qualities of life that that uplift us and connect us to realms elsewhere but there's definitely a fusion of all of those and a balancing of those elements in ourselves that has to happen to make up the whole make up the whole mm. yeah and people yeah can get to know themselves elementally as well like i'm quite a lot of air and fire mm -hmm. and that's why i needed so much of that earth element in my life and i am quite earthy as well but if i just led with the passion and the glory and the my i'll burn out and that that can be my tendency is like strong mind but if that's not backed up by you know the earthy forces so then that's a whole another element of health in itself is getting to know yourself as an individual on a really yeah mental and physical and spiritual level yeah like that's part of the health journey really knowing the little subtle subtle differences in your body and the way your personality is the way your mind thinks integrating that into your health path you were speaking this morning with me about optimal health yep. and how people are often searching for that optimal health and yeah what does that is that does that exist what does that look like to you there's been a lot of momentum i think in the health food movement that's towards optimization the perfect diet 
the ideal version of our ancestors. You see it a lot in the paleo movement, people idealizing the indigenous past, the ancient past, our ancestral past as, oh, those guys didn't have to worry about vapes or Wi-Fi or blue light or evil technocrats or like all the things (laughs) that we face nowadays that once we wake up to a few of the facts of life we go man these things suck and there's this longing there's anger at the system right so there's all that stuff and then that leads the mind to want to find the ideal right and I think that quest is very worthwhile and that ideal can drive you for quite a long time but it dries up and it dries up because we're human and ideals are archetypes archetypes can run our lives and burn us out but they'll burn us to the ground because we're a multi-dimensional being that's got a lot of different forces operating in us some of them mysterious some of them are to do with compromise and letting go and not knowing and because of that reason there's always so much more detail so much more context so much more allowing that sometimes has to take place in our health journey for us to find a bigger truth and something that's better for us so i think people pursue the optimal but at the end of the day, the optimal is a ongoing conversation. It's not a destination to be reached. And I will get clients that I work with where they, what's the best ratio? Mm. What's the best foods? How can I, I just want to know, you'll hear comments, right? I want to know the best thing. And if I could just take the best thing in a pill, I would. What's what's the best ratio of foods that I can eat and just repeat over and over again. And that kind of disconnects you from the whole point of the relationship with food and seasonality as well. The best doesn't really exist because we're not, we're not fixed. Where our bodies are always changing and our, everything's always changing our needs. So it's going to change from day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And there's... Rather than best, there's better and worse. Mm-hmm. And I think thinking, people thinking in terms, think in terms of spectrums, not absolutes. So the, pola- the polarities actually don't exist. You'll never find them, but you will find the movement between the poles. You can get better and worse food for sure. Worst food is like McDonald's. Let's just yeah. call that the polarity of worst <laughs> food, that it's, it's garbage crap. It's got synthetic colors and all this crap in it. No one wants to know about it, right? And then up the other end of the spectrum, you've got wild-caught deer from the Swiss Alps that's been drinking from a glacial spring and it was caught by your grandmother. That's right, local. And, yeah, you can achieve both, both of those things, but the optimal of the wild deer caught in the Swiss Alps isn't always achievable. So you, you should always think in terms of better and best and not get trapped. Is mm. well, What if you are in the middle of 
wherever and you're starving for four days and the only thing you find is McDonald's. Like you're going to be better off eating mm. the worst thing than nothing at some sort of stage. But the reason I'm like talking about these two polarities of better and worse is that there's always a better and worse for your particular moment and there's always a better and worse for your particular location along your health journey. And I think as long as we can create a model of awareness and a practical way of operating that we're moving towards more optimal choices in our life and that we're making better choices and that we're making optimal choices for our moment now. That's right. We're not, then we lose the attachment to some ideal which then can create other forms of stresses that block us out from experiencing and then it's, other parts of life. That's right. And then it's not goal orientated. It's like a way, a lifestyle, a way of being, yeah. a way of relating to yourself and food and all of those aspects. Yeah. So on that note about eating wild foods, something that I've learned in my journey with diet and eating is we could go to the farmer's markets and get a bunch of local fresh herbs or we could go into our backyard and find a bunch of wild herbs and wild dandelion cat's ear stinging nettle these kind of things and the diversity the genetic diversity that we find in those wild things don't get me wrong the domestic herbs are still great for you but there's something that i have really noticed in my personal journey with eating that i feel so much more amazing when i'm eating incorporating wild herbs yeah. into my body and do you want to talk about the, the diversity of yeah. wild foods and how important that is because we evolved as hunter-gatherers with so much diversity. Yeah. Yep. Our, our immune system is made up of lots of different elements and those immune factors are stimulated from the proteins found in the environment and every single plant and every single animal has its own unique combinations and balances of those immu immune system factors and proteins. If we only ate from a limited range of things we're only getting a limited range of stimulus and just as it is you wouldn't go into the gym and only do three exercises forever you would develop muscular imbalances from doing three exercises so you would develop nutritional imbalances from eating only four to five to twelve different foods on repeat and I would be guaranteed that most people get in a patterns of eating I think patterns of eating are compromises to health in the mm -hmm. long term initially they can be helpful touchstones for satiation for health even if you create a meal that you know is healing and that sort of thing they can be useful for a period of time but that at the other end of that journey they then become um, overstimulation of certain elements that have repeated too often and now your body's becoming made toxic by them. Eva's right. If you go and incorporate wild foods in your diet, you're going to get more diversity. You're going to connect to your landscape nearby. You're creating an experience where suddenly you're spending time outside. You're connecting to the land around. 
you're connecting to the local soil substrate which actually then stimulates local probiotic activities so i have a theory that connects you more to the world around you when you eat from the, the world around you and you're getting other nutrient factors that are only contained in those specific plants modern humans eat probably from like 12 to 15 different species of plants as plant foods if you think broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts are all like from the same family of brassicas, Brassica. then you can understand that, yeah, we actually do eat from a very limited set of food groups. That's right. And then what happens, if you look at autistic, aspergic, kids with anxiety, kids with learning difficulties, you'll look at their diet and 99% of the time you'll find they are very limited, limited. in what they eat. They might eat apples, potato chips, carrots, and cheese and that's it and they scream when they don't get anything else and that is to the parents that continually do that because they're avoiding the screaming it's like a drug addict yeah like for the first four week four days to a week like the heroin junkie is going to be crawling up the walls and tearing the paint off but that's the organisms inside them that have become addicted on those feelings on those mm. set of chemicals so much so that they're demanding it but you've got to dry them out because if you don't dry them out they'll never know what other food groups are so steiner will talk about super saturation and people can think what they do with steiner he developed agricultural methods like biodynamics which use the moon and knowledge from uh, the Celts mm -hmm. and the Nordics and Western herbalism and combined all of that into a system of farming that produces exceptional results so much so that world leaders in wine know that biodynamics is a standard for farming practices because of the taste wow. which is an indicator for nutritional density would you believe that taste is an indicator for nutritional density and this all links together because if we're practicing our food ways in such a way that we're increasing taste, we're increasing flavor, we're increasing connection, we're increasing awareness through integrating things like the moon cycle, through integrating things like other herbs, working with other plants and timings. And we're, we're developing a culture that is not a quick grab thing it's not a quick fix thing it's not overwhelming our senses it's not super saturating us with something other than the environment that we're participating in a, a part of and these children who have been raised on lollies or raised on junk food or they've got very limited diets or they're fussy eaters and even adults end up as fussy eaters That's and they right. won't eat this and that you can be damn sure that it leads back to some super saturation where their body is just totally overloaded with a certain set of nutrients and now the ecology inside of that body is demanding those set of nutrients so that we need to step away from that super saturated state, actually dry out a little bit and then start to eat real healthy foods and the flavors of those real healthy foods will be so much higher mm. because our taste buds and our palate has adjusted to rewired yeah yes. it's totally rewired so 
in that setting because I know it can be really difficult for parents to get their children to yep. eat these more healthy foods what yeah what are some maybe exciting ways of bringing more nutritional food to the table and getting these younger children who actually don't want to eat it yeah and it's great because kids bring about all of the all of the elements that are needed to really bring the best out of food mm. we love to experiment kids love to experiment Humans love to experiment. Involve them. Involving them in the process. Making it fun or creative. Can you make a sculpture out of the food? Mm. Can you put it all together on toothpicks and make a little man out of what you're going to make? Is there a way that you can enhance the recipe to make it fun or exciting? Mm. I think that's a really powerful tool for children. Another one is... Sometimes you've got to go to the school of hard knocks and be a bit like the old school grandma that's no, you don't get any dessert <laughs> eat your greens or you're until not... you eat your greens. Yeah. <laughs> and then you create healthy options for desserts as well where you're like, yeah, this is dessert, but it's homemade ice mm. cream. And you're showing a culture by demonstrating it to the parent that goes and buys the junky thing at the shop that parents demonstrating to the child, I don't want to take responsibility for doing something healthy. We buy things out of convenience and therefore I'm buying you your satisfaction and your happiness. Mm. And we so know short-term trades. That's right. And we know just on that note, we know that this system that we live in society, it doesn't actually make it easy for parents or families to live healthily. And it, it makes it, it's actually really difficult. And we we understand that as well, but it's what you were saying before. It's just about making those little decisions that step us closer to better or that more optimal. You know? 100%. Look, yeah, there's a lot of parents out there doing what they can with what they've got. And That's right. I take my hat off to all of them. But we have to map out the ideal and the optimal. And then we also have to let go of that, but move towards it with happiness in our heart and also attaching our value system towards those higher things. And... Yep. People say, have all sorts of excuses, right? Every, everyone's got excuses. Organics are expensive. They're too hard to get. It's not convenient enough. When I go out, I can't find blah. And the more often someone and we produce excuses, the more solidified they become as belief systems. And then the more they block us from accessing simple other truths and simple other perspectives that can lead us towards making better choices and making more optimal decisions. So I would say to those parents that think that organics is expensive, I would think, how many times a year do you visit the doctors? How many um, days off work sick do you have? How many days off school sick do your children have? How many mental health episodes and tantrums are being thrown? How many behavioral issues are going down? How many nights sleep are being lost because of nutritional deficiencies and how much of those toxins are building up in the body over a lifetime creating chronic and acute health disorders at some point and how many 
other people are you missing out on meeting because you're not going to a place where healthy food and healthy culture exists. Mm. So at the end of the day, it's actually more expensive to not go and buy organics. It's more expensive to not go and find stuff at a farm gate. In the long run, yeah. And it's more more expensive to not connect to that culture. Definitely, that's all really great stuff, Asha. So what are some daily advice tips that you would give to people who are working nine to five and little things like that what are some tips that you have to connect people with a more yeah ancestral and healthy way of being Mm, mm. i think listening to the body is really important and there's ways there's tools in which you can listen to the body better just as there's tools in which you can observe nature better like you use a telescope to look at the stars better or you might use a microphone to pick up bird sounds better you can use a thermometer and a stopwatch to analyze your temperature and pulse and look at how foods affect you and what we're trying to get there is a slight boost in temperature and a slight boost in pulse about 20 minutes after a meal that's showing you that the food that you ate is impacting your metabolism in a positive way and that your body's creating energy from that food. If your temperature drops, you know that meal that you ate is creating an energy deficit. It's taking energy away from your body to digest the food. So I think that's a really simple tool that everyone can implement is just carry around a thermometer in your pocket and take it after meals. Mm. And then you can go, wow, that meal that I ate just then made me feel like shit, made me feel a little bit depressed, tired, cold, anxious, and it also dropped my body temperature and pulse. As where, oh, but when I ate this thing over here, I'm feeling good, my body temperature's up, so, and then my suggestion is just repeat more of the things that make you feel good Good. and boost your temperature and avoid the things that drop your body temperatures and pulse. And I love that your advice is not eat this or that, it's actually track your body and get to know your body more. Maybe even having a food journal as well. I've had clients that they drink a goat milk smoothie with raw liver and an egg and a tablespoon of honey and they get crazy temperature boosts out of that like 0.5 degrees celsius every time i'm like repeat that go nuts but then after two months that same meal stopped working interesting and it's like their body was like no i've loaded up on that now that's enough of that and now i'm not going to give you that same amount of temperature back i love that because that is just so important on keeping that yeah observation of our body so it's not yeah it's not the one perfect diet fits all it's constantly changing just like the seasons that we were talking about before and i love that because that really is the best health advice is to really track how your body's feeling and your mind is feeling when you're eating all these different things that because then that gives you an empowered relationship as well with how you're feeling and your energy level so you can understand okay that meal actually made me feel not very good and so do something about it and that's like an amazing trajectory to be walking on yeah totally so i think the tools of listening to the body we're eating when we're hungry. Yeah. 
so many modern humans have arbitrary things in their head. I've got to only eat three meals a day. I've only got to eat one meal a day. I, I shouldn't eat now because I just ate before. But I'm hungry, but I shouldn't eat because someone on the internet said blah. This is the sort of stuff that's banging around in everyone's yeah. head. Yeah. I know because I've been there and I still have voices in my head, but yeah. I have a way of navigating those voices, which is to say my body has a wisdom inside of it. That's right. If I learn to listen to that wisdom through time, I can develop a relationship with the source of that wisdom and come to better and better and better and better understandings. The le- the, if I don't listen to that wisdom and I repeat that through time, I am practicing the disconnection of my source of wisdom in the body and I'm outsourcing that wisdom to a bunch of nebulous experts that exist in our head mm. that are just really sound bites that we've picked up from culture. Mm. So, when we're hungry, that's a sign that our blood sugar is dropping. When our blood sugar drops, our stress hormones rise. Those stress hormones rise because they're trying to stimulate us to go and get some food. So when people say, I'm hangry, and they're getting like stressed hungry, (laughs) that's a good indicator to everyone in the world is that, yeah, hunger is related to mood. Mm -hmm. And if I don't eat, my body's going to down-regulate me into this sort of stressed Mm. state that is in nature designed to get me up and moving to go and find some calories but in the modern world i've been told all of these things that cover up those feelings and turn them into oh i've got mental health issues or i've got this and that issues how about you've just got blood sugar dysregulation issues and you're not managing your blood sugar right so i think that's really important that people start to reflect on hey maybe this mood right now first line of thought food yeah first line of thought not second third fourth fifth which often it, that's where it comes in behind oh it was the argument that i had with so and so this morning or it was my boss or I'm, I'm just this way or no go and have a good balanced meal and then think about it oh it's- such great advice yeah such important potent truths to be sharing as well so we're going to wrap it up soon but wow we have covered i'd like to so add much. one more thing yeah please like do just practical advice yeah listen to your body but know 100 percent that your body is fats carbs and proteins that is what life is made of if i go and get that tree right now it's got fats, carbs, and proteins. If I go and grab a chook, fats, carbs, and proteins. That's what we're made of. So the balance of those ratios is very important. Just like a house is made of timber and metal and Mm. concrete, the balance of those things is very important because imagine if you just got all metal and you're not enough wood and a little Mm -hmm. bit of concrete. It's going to be a weird thing. if I put myself in a pot of water and boiled myself down, I'd be mostly proteins with some amount of fat and some amount of sugar. And typically about 30% sugar is running through my body right now in the form of glucose, which is found mostly in my muscles and my liver, 
Most of my proteins are found in my muscles and my glands and my organs. And then my fat is around my nerve sheaths and around in my brain and in my skin. And the balance of these nutrients is very important, but when we eat them all together, that's what gives us the most stable blood sugar out of all. So a lot of people are snacking on carbohydrates all day long. So they'll, they'll have a bag of chips or they'll, they'll, they'll try to eat fruit in between meals or maybe they're snacking on some energy drink that's got just some sugar in it. What happens when you eat just sugar? It's like throwing gasoline mm. on a fire that doesn't have any wood in there. You're just throwing the quickest form of fuel on and bang, it's going to give you a burst of energy. You might get an hour's energy out of it, but then you're more likely to crash sooner which means a crash means stress hormones up. And harder. Which means now you're moving yourself into that energy reductive state, which is stress, fatigue, depression, blah, blah, blah. So you want, always want to combine the three macronutrients when you can, fats, carbs, protein. And whenever you eat a meal, eat because you're hungry and eat fats, carbs, proteins together. So that would mm. mean cheese and fruit jerky and fruit meat and some sort of starch or potatoes mm -hmm. always always thinking in terms of that is going to set you up for life in so many ways mm. that people don't really understand right now but it's become going to become more and more popular yeah. in the health food world as this polarity stops swinging yeah as we stop going from oh vegan's the best no carbs the best no you're all exploring metabolic states through those extreme diets and ultimately you're going to discover the use that all of those metabolic factors has in coming together. And I really hope that people understand that it's balance and balance is a challenging, nuanced, mm. complex, contextual story that doesn't lend itself very well to oversimplification and that if we're ever thinking in oversimplified terms, we're, we're barking up the wrong tree. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's such important, yeah, amazing information to just have those leads to do your own research and go on that journey yourself. So before we wrap it up, do you just want to share a little bit about yeah what you offer, like Life Rocks and your health coaching as well? Where can people find you? How can they find you? So I offer a 15-minute free session with me to anyone. They can call me up. They can tell me what is going on for them, and it'll be an informational heavy session. I will tell you literally like 100% what you need to do for your own health in that session. And if you're an automatic learner, someone who can follow their own leads, put two and two together, that session can set people up for really dealing with some hectic health issue that they've got going on for themselves mm. and really usually make quite a bit of movement, positive movement. If people then want to follow up with me, I only do 10 session blocks and I do that because health is an education. And unless people are ready to put in the, time. the work, the effort, um, it's about three to four hours a week working with me. They have to do food logging. They have to do reading. They have to have a session with me once a week. And 
yeah, so I, I only work with people over 10, 10 block periods. Great. And that's the deep dive nutrition program that I run. I also am the director of Life Rocks, which is earth science education and holistic health and development for children, families, and teachers. We do stuff for children, which is more like fun, nature connection, learning about the earth, learning about science, the learning elements. about their own bodies through using art, science, all of the fun stuff. And then for parents and teachers, it's more like, how do we implement all of this knowledge to have better classrooms, better families, healthier home environments? So yeah, if people want to work with me, they can go to liferocks.school, find my number there and check out what we're up to. Amazing. And some, I just want to mention some of the resources that we spoke about today. The Western A. Price, he's got a great yep. book. So um, nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Western A. Price is like photographic evidence of ancestral cultures from 14 different countries that shows that we need fats, carbs, and proteins. <laughs> yeah, it's a really thorough resource. Then we got Broder Barnes, the godfather of thyroid medicine, who's really a lot of the foundation of using temperature and pulse to assess health and to increase our metabolic rate, which is our energy production. I'd also put Ray, Dr. Ray Pete as very influential in that category of some of the most amazing scientific writings that are on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was some of the main resources we mentioned. And then Paul Check from the Check Institute. Really good holistic health advice and definitely strong on the movement side of the fence in terms of posture and alignment and yeah, infant development, how we evolve through our movement patterns and how we can use those to assess where we're at in life and how, how our body's functioning. Amazing. And I just want to conclude on all of these are really amazing resources for us to then bring that power into our own self. So not having to rely on any resource after. They're just leads to empower the individual human to go on that journey, that deep dive into their own health themselves. 100%. That's what my 10-week course is about. Yes. Is the deep dive into nutrition and lifestyle so that you can be your own practitioner for life. Yeah. I love seeing people fish for themselves yeah and all of my clients teach me so much because they're out there experiencing their own life through their own unique lens coming across their own unique experiences and then they give me back knowledge because they're actually students of life just like I am amazing thank you so much Asha it's been a solid conversation and we hope that you all enjoyed it and got a lot out of it thanks Eva I'm really happy to chat to you and yeah it's been great to have you on the farm yay Black rocks. <laughs> <laughs>